Section 6 of Report to the President by the Presidential Commission on the Space Shuttle Challenger Accident. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Report to the President by the Presidential Commission on the Space Shuttle Challenger Accident. Chapter 4 The Cause of the Accident. Part 3. Joint Seal Failure Enhanced photographic and computergraphic positioning determined that the flame from the right solid rocket booster near the aft field joint emanated at about the 305-degree circumferential position. The smoke at liftoff appeared in the same general location. Thus, early in the investigation, the right solid rocket booster aft field joint seal became the prime failure suspect. This supposition was confirmed when the salvage team recovered portions of both sides of the aft joint containing large holes extending from 291 degrees to 318 degrees. Several possible causes could have resulted in this failure. These possible causes are treated in the following paragraphs of this report. During stacking operations at the launch site, four segments are assembled to form the solid rocket motor. The resulting joints are referred to as field joints, located as depicted in figures 8 and 13. Joint sealing is provided by two rubber O-rings with diameters of 0 0.280 inches plus 0 0.005 minus 0 0.003, which are installed, as received from Morton Thiokol, during motor assembly. O-ring static compression during and after assembly is dictated by the width of the gap between the tang and the inside leg of the clevis. This gap between the tang and clevis at any location, after assembly, is influenced by the size and shape, concentricity, of the segments, as well as the loads on the segments. Zinc chromate putty is applied to the composition rubber, NBR, insulation face, prior to assembly, in the assembled configuration, the putty was intended to act as a thermal barrier to prevent direct contact of combustion gas with the O-rings. It was also intended that the O-rings be actuated and sealed by combustion gas pressure displacing the putty in the space between the motor segments. The displacement of the putty would act like a piston and compress the air ahead of the primary O-ring, and force it into the gap between the tang and clevis. This process is known as pressure actuation of the O-ring seal. This pressure-actuated sealing is required to occur very early during the solid rocket motor ignition transient, because the gap between the tang and clevis increases as pressure loads are applied to the joint during ignition. Should pressure actuation be delayed to the extent that the gap has opened considerably, the possibility exists that the rocket's combustion gases will blow by the O-ring and damage or destroy the seals. The principal factor influencing the size of the gap opening is motor pressure. 
but gap opening is also influenced by external loads and other joint dynamics. The investigation has shown that the joint sealing performance is sensitive to the following factors, either independently or in combination. A. Damage to the joints, seals, or generation of contaminants as joints are assembled, as influenced by 1. Manufacturing tolerances, 2. Out of round due to handling, 3. Effects of reuse. B. Tang clevis gap opening due to motor pressure and other loads. C. Static O-ring compression. D. Joint temperature as it affects O-ring response under dynamic conditions, resiliency, and hardness. E. Joint temperature as it relates to forming ice from water intrusion in the joint. F. Putty performance effects on 1. O-ring pressure actuation timing, 2. O-ring erosion. The sensitivity to each factor was evaluated independently and in appropriate combinations to assess the potential to cause or contribute to the 51L aft field joint failure. Most of the testing was done on either laboratory or subscale equipment. In many cases, the data from these tests are considered to be directly applicable to the SEAL performance in full scale. However, in some cases, there is considerable uncertainty in extrapolating the data to full-scale SEAL performance. When such is the case, it is noted in the following discussions. Assembly Damage Contamination It is possible that the assembly operation could influence joint sealing performance by damaging the O-rings or by generating contamination. The shapes of the solid rocket segments, which include the tang and clevis, are not perfect circles because of dimensional tolerances, stresses, distortions from previous use, and the effects of shipping and handling. The most important effect is from the load of propellant, a plastic and rubbery material which can take a set that relaxes very slowly. For example, since the segments are shipped in a horizontal position on railroad cars, their weight can make them somewhat elliptical, a shape they can maintain for some time. At assembly, after the lower segment with the clevis on top is placed vertically, the tang of the next segment is lowered into it. To make the fit easier, the upper segment is purposely reshaped by connecting the lifting crane in an appropriate position, and on occasion, 51L was one of these, directly squeezing the tang section with a special tool. To monitor the fit, the diameters of the clevis, DC, and the tang, DR, in figure 15, are measured at six positions 30 degrees apart and the difference of these measurements, dr minus dc, are noted. When these differences are such that the tang encroaches somewhat into the outer clevis, slanted edges, chamfers, permit the pieces to slide together. If the difference is too great, flat areas of the tang meet flat areas of the clevis. What really counts, of course, are differences of radii, which diameter measurements alone do not determine for one does not know during the assembly how far off the centers are. 
This is a circumstance to be avoided, but one that can be detected during assembly. Experience has shown that a diameter difference of less than plus 0.25 inches usually permits assembly without a flat-on-flat -flat condition arising. A negative diameter difference means the tang encroaches on the inside of the clevis. The possibility was noted that contaminants from sliding metal and direct o-ring pinching might occur if this overlap is large. If it is too great, a flat-on-flat -flat condition can arise inside the joint, where it is very difficult to see. These dimensions shift as the pieces slide together, and they change further as the propellant stresses relax during the period between assembly and launch. Therefore, a condition such as that which occurred during assembly of the aft segment for Flight 51L, wherein the maximum interference between tang and clevis at the O-rings was at approximately 300 degrees, may or may not have persisted until launch seven weeks after assembly. The O-rings are heavily greased to prevent damage. This grease adds another element of uncertainty to the configuration and action of the seal under pressurization, especially at low temperatures. Testing was conducted during the investigation to evaluate the potential for assembly damage and contaminant generation and its effect on seal performance. A subscale section of a field joint was configured in a test fixture, and simulated assembly operations were conducted. This section was much stiffer than the full-scale booster segments, and did not fully simulate actual assembly conditions. However, under these test conditions, metal slivers were generated during situations wherein the tang flat overlapped the flat end of the clevis leg, by 0.005 to 0.010 inches. The metal slivers, in turn, were carried into the joint and deposited on and around the O-rings. A second finding from this test series was that the O-ring section increased in length as the tang entered the clevis and compressed the O-ring diameter. The implication of this finding is that canted tang entry in a full-diameter segment, while unlikely, could chase the o-ring around the circumference, resulting in gathering, bulging from the groove, on the opposite side. This could make the o-ring more vulnerable to damage. There is no known experience of such bulging during previous assemblies. To understand the effects of potential contaminants on sealing performance, Tests were conducted employing metal contaminants simulating those generated in the segment assembly tests. The tests were to determine if joints with metal shavings positioned between the O-ring and the sealing surface could pass a static leak check but fail under dynamic conditions. The contaminants that passed the 50 pounds per square inch leak check were between 0.001 and 0.003 inches thick. Testing to determine seal performance under dynamic conditions with these representative contaminations is not complete. However, the possibility cannot be dismissed that contamination generated under some assembly conditions could pass a leak check and yet cause the seal to leak under dynamic conditions. 
A second concern was structural damage to the clavis due to abnormal loading during assembly. An analysis was made to determine the deflections and stresses experienced during assembly of the right solid rocket motor aft center segment to the aft segment. These stresses were then used in a fracture mechanics analysis of the O-ring groove to determine the maximum flaw size that would not fail under the 51L case segment life cycle history. Included in this analysis was the single point load needed to deflect a suspended segment to the side by 0.200 inches, and the maximum stress on the case clevis that this causes. The analysis further addressed a condition that has been encountered, where the tang sits on top of the inner clevis leg on one side and slips down into the clevis groove on the opposite side. The result of this analysis is that the stresses induced during the operation were low and would not have resulted in hardware damage. Also, the stresses would have resulted in significant growth of an undetected flaw, which would then be detectable by inspection on its next use. Gap Opening The gap to be sealed between the tang and the inside leg of the clevis opens as the combustion gas pressure rises. This gap opening was calculated as a function of pressure and time by an analysis that was calibrated to joint deflections measured on a structural test article. The analysis extended the results beyond test calibration conditions to include propellant effects and external loads. The initial static gap dimensions combined with the time history of the gap opening determined the minimum and maximum gap conditions used for testing the capability of the O-rings to seal. The joint deflection analysis established time histories for gap openings for primary and secondary O-rings for all field joints. For the aft field joints, these data indicate gap opening increases of approximately 0.029 inches and 0.017 inches for the primary and secondary O-rings, respectively. These values were used for subscale dynamic tests. Due to differences in motor pressure and loads, the gap opening increases for forward field joints are approximately 0.008 inches greater than for the aft field joints. Gap opening changes, called delta gap openings, versus time, are shown in figure 17 for the aft field joints. The total gap at any time also depends on the initial static gap, on rounding effects during segment pressurization, and on loadings due to struts and air loads. Subscale tests were run containing combinations of the above variables, but did not include the effects of the struts and air loads. O-ring compression at launch static. As noted previously, diameters measured just prior to assembly do not permit determination of conditions at launch, because among other things the propellant slowly relaxes. For STS-51L, the difference in the true diameters of the surfaces of tang and clevis measured at the factory was 0.008 inches. Thus, the average gap at the O-rings between the tang and clevis was 0.004 inches. The minimum gap could be somewhat less, 
and possibly metal-to-metal -metal contact, zero gap, could exist at some locations. During the investigation, measurements were made on segments that had been refurbished and reused. The data indicate that segment circumferences at the ceiling surfaces change with repeated use. This expectation was not unique to this joint. Recent analysis has shown, and tests tend to confirm, that O-ring ceiling performance is significantly improved when actuating pressure can get behind the entire face of the O-ring on the upstream side of the groove within which the O-ring sits. If the groove is too narrow, or if the initial squeeze is so great as to compress the O-ring to the extent that it fills the entire groove and contacts all groove surfaces, pressure actuation of the seal could be inhibited. This latter condition is relieved as the joint gap opens and the O-ring attempts to return to its uncompressed shape. However, if the temperature is low, resiliency is severely reduced, and the O-ring is very slow in returning towards its original shape. Thus, it may remain compressed in the groove, contact all three surfaces of that groove, and inhibit pressure actuation of the seal. In addition, as the gap opens between the O-ring and tang surface allowing pressure bypass, O-ring actuation is further inhibited. Two subscale dynamic test fixtures were designed and built that simulated the initial static gap, gap opening rate, maximum gap opening, and ignition transient pressures. These fixtures were tested over a temperature range with varying initial static gap openings. A summary of results with initial gap openings of 0 0.020 and 0 0.004 inches is provided in figure 19. The results indicate that with a 0 0.020 inch maximum initial gap, sealing can be achieved in most instances at temperatures as low as 25 degrees Fahrenheit, while with the initial 0.004-inch initial gap, sealing is not achieved at 25 degrees Fahrenheit, and is marginal even in the 40 and 50 degree Fahrenheit temperature range. For the 0.004-inch initial gap condition, sealing without any gas blow-by did not occur consistently until the temperature was raised to 55 degrees Fahrenheit. To evaluate the sensitivity to initial gap opening, tour tests were conducted at 25 degrees Fahrenheit with an initial gap of 0 0.010 inch. In contrast to the tests at a 0.004 inch gap, these tests resulted in sealing, with some minimal O-ring blow-by observed during the sealing process. These tests indicate the sensitivity of the O-ring seals to temperature and O-ring squeeze in a joint with the gap-opening characteristics of the solid rocket motors. It should be noted that the test fixture placed the O-rings at a specific initial gap and squeeze condition uniformly around the circumference. It is not certain what the effect of differences in circumferential gaps might be in full-size joints. Such effects could not be simulated in the subscale test results reported above. Joint Temperature Analyses were conducted to establish STS-51L joint temperatures at launch. 
some differences existed among the six 51L field joints. The joints on the right solid rocket motor had larger circumferential gradients than those on the left motor at launch. It is possible that the aft field joint of the right solid rocket booster was at the lowest temperature at launch, although all joints had calculated local temperatures as low as 28 plus or minus 5 degrees Fahrenheit. Estimated transient temperature for the several circumferential locations on the joints are shown for the right solid rocket motor aft field joint and the left motor aft field joint in figures 20 and 21. These data are representative of other joints on the respective solid rocket motors. The investigation has shown that the low launch temperatures had two effects that could potentially affect the seal performance. One, O-ring resiliency degradation, the effects of which are explained above, and two, the potential for ice in the joints. O-ring hardness is also a function of temperature, and may have been another factor in joint performance. Consistent results from numerous O-ring tests have shown a resiliency degradation with reduced temperatures. Figure 23 provides O-ring recovery from 0 0.040 inches of initial compression versus time. This shows how quickly an O-ring will move back towards its uncompressed shape at temperatures ranging from 10 to 75 degrees Fahrenheit. When these data are compared with the gap openings versus time from figure 17, it can be seen that the O-rings will not track or recover to the gap opening by 600 milliseconds, gap full open, at low to moderate temperatures. These data show the importance of timely O-ring pressure actuation to achieve proper sealing. It is possible that water got into some, if not all, STS-51L field joints. Subsequent to the Challenger accident, it was learned that water had been observed in the STS-9 joints during restacking operations, following exposure to less rain than that experienced by STS-51L. It was reported that water had drained from the STS-9 joint when the pins were removed, and that approximately 0.5 inch of water was present in the clevis well. While on the pad for 38 days, STS-51L was exposed to approximately 7 inches of rain. Analyses and tests conducted show that water will freeze under the environmental conditions experienced prior to the 51L launch, and could unseat the secondary O-ring. To determine the effects of unseating, tests were conducted on the subscale dynamic test fixture at Thiokol to further evaluate seal performance. For these tests, water was frozen downstream of the secondary O-ring. With ice present, there were conditions under which the O-ring failed to seal. Putty Performance the significance of the possibility that putty could keep the motor pressure from promptly reaching the O-rings to pressure actuate and seal them was apparently not fully appreciated prior to the Challenger accident. During the investigation, it became evident that several variables may affect the putty performance, and in turn seal performance. However, limited test data and lack of fidelity in full-scale joint simulation 
prevented a complete engineering assessment of putty performance. Tests were conducted over a range of putty conditions, including temperature at ignition, pre-test conditioning to simulate the environmental effects, and dimensional variations within the joint. These test results demonstrated that putty performance as a pressure seal is highly variable. The results may be interpreted to indicate that the putty can maintain pressure during the ignition transient and prevent O-ring sealing. For example, one test conducted with putty, which had been conditioned for 10 hours at 80% relative humidity and 75 degrees Fahrenheit, delayed the pressure rise at the primary O-ring for 530 milliseconds at a temperature of 75 degrees. Tests at 20 degrees Fahrenheit with similarly conditioned putty delayed the pressurization time by 1.9 seconds. Such delays would allow full joint gap opening before a seal could pressure actuate. To evaluate this effect, a subscale test fixture was fabricated that effectively simulated gap opening at the time of putty rupture and pressure application. The tests simulate the O-ring pressure actuation delay due to the putty temporarily holding the motor pressure. They were conducted over a range of temperatures, putty rupture time, and initial O-ring squeeze. Test results demonstrated that sealing performance is dependent on temperature and initial squeeze both of which affect the pressure actualization capability of the O-rings. The tests indicate that sealing capability is marginal for maximum squeeze conditions, that is, a 0.004-inch gap at 50 degrees Fahrenheit with a pressure delay of 500 milliseconds. For the temperature and O-ring squeeze conditions that existed for several of the STS-51L field joints, O-ring sealing was not achieved in these tests, with simulated putty rupture times delayed to 250 to 500 milliseconds. Note that the subscale tests do not faithfully reproduce what happens in the real joint. These data do indicate, however, that the potential exists for O-rings not to seal as a result of variables related to the putty. The seal is checked by pressurizing the volume between the primary and secondary O-rings. This action seats the secondary seal and drives the primary seal upstream into its groove. Because of concern that the putty could mask a leaking primary seal, the pressure was first increased from 50 pounds per square inch to 100 pounds per square inch and then to 200 pounds per square inch. Clearly, the increased pressure used in the leak check increased the likelihood of a gas path through the putty to the primary seal. That is, with increased pressure, blowholes in the putty are more likely, with a resulting greater potential for erosion damage to the O-ring. On the positive side, the blowholes tend to prevent the delay in pressurization discussed in the previous paragraphs. This further illustrates the influence of putty variables on the performance of the solid rocket motor seals. The Dynamic Characteristics of the Field Joint Seal The discussion of static factors which affect joint performance is based on the assumption that motor segments remain perfectly round and that stacked segments are always a perfectly straight column. 
At launch, the boosters are subjected to forces which bend and twist them. These forces cause physical changes in the shape of the boosters, actually squashing them out of round and bending them along their entire length. The dynamic effects of this out-of-roundness are most significant just after booster ignition, when the hold-down bolts have been released, because in the previous 6.6 .6 seconds the boosters have actually been bent forward by the thrust from the main engines. The elastic energy stored in the entire system is then released, inducing a bending vibration in the boosters. This bending causes the case to change its shape from circular to elliptical, the maximum out-of-roundness occurring on the 45 to 315 degree line on the outside of the right booster. This deflection is a consequence of a vibration and occurs at a frequency of about three cycles per second. The same occurs in the left booster, only the deflection axis is oriented differently, being a mirror image of that which takes place on the right side. The dynamic effects cause an increase in the joint rotation, and hence increase the gap between the tang and clevis by about 10%. Another dynamic load results from the geometry of the struts, which attach the booster to the external tank. Strut P12 is attached to the booster at about the 314 degree point, and imposes additional inertial forces on the booster, which tend to additionally increase the gap by 10 to 21 percent. Analysis of the Wreckage The investigation of the sequence of events that led to the final breakup of the Challenger rests upon three primary sources of data, launch photographs, telemetry and tracking data, and the recovered pieces of the shuttle wreckage. The third source of data is presented here, which is largely descriptive. It provides support for the conclusions reached through the use of the data from the other two sources. A more detailed analysis that provides technical details to be used for subsequent redesign or accident analysis is available in the appendix. Figure 24 shows an overview of the search areas, with the general location of parts of both the left and right solid rocket boosters indicated. The area is at the edge of the Gulf Stream in water depth that ranged from 100 to 1,200 feet. Pertinent pieces were examined by use of a remotely controlled submarine containing a floodlight and a television camera. The television picture was available on shipboard and was transmitted to Kennedy and to Marshall. The arrangement allowed a number of people who were familiar with the solid rocket booster to comment upon the merit of recovering a particular piece. The aft left side of the orbiter contained its original paint markings and showed no apparent sign of heat damage. Thermal distress, however, was apparent on the right rudder speed brake panel and elevon. The paint was scorched and blackened on the right side panels of the aft part of the fuselage and vertical fin. The remaining recovered parts of the orbiter did not seem to be affected by a hydrogen fire. The bottom side of the right wing showed some indentation on the tiles that make up the thermal protection system. This indentation was consistent with impact with the right booster as it rotated following loss of restraint of one or more of its lower struts. 
the frustum of the nose-cone of the right solid rocket booster was damaged, as if it had struck the external tank, but there were no signs of thermal distress. The frustum of the nose-cone of the left solid rocket booster was essentially undamaged. A substantial part of the external tank was recovered. Analysis of this recovered structure showed some interesting features. Interpretation of the photographs suggests that the flame from the right-hand solid rocket booster encircled the external tank. A short time later, the dome at the base of the external tank was thought to break free. Since the internal pressure of the liquid hydrogen tank is at approximately 33 pounds per square inch, a sudden venting at the aft section will produce a large initial thrust that tails off as the pressure drops. The intertank region of the wreckage contained buckling in the fore and aft direction consistent with this impulsive thrust. Similarly, the right side of the intertank showed signs of crushing. This crushing is consistent with the rotational impact of the frustum of the right solid rocket booster with the external tank, following complete loss of restraint at the aft lower strut attachment area. The telemetered signals from the rate gyros in the right solid rocket booster clearly show a change in angular velocity of the booster with respect to the orbiter. It is believed that this velocity change was initiated by a failure at or near the P-12 strut connecting the booster to the external tank. Photographs of the flight could not define the failure point, and none of the connecting struts to the right solid rocket booster or the corresponding area on the external tank in this region were recovered. Therefore, the exact location of the initial separation could not be determined by the evidence. At the time of relative booster movement, the hole in the shell of the right solid rocket booster was calculated to be 6 to 8 inches in diameter, located 12 to 15 inches forward, and adjacent to the P-12 strut. This location was within the center of the burned-out zone on the right solid rocket booster. As a matter of interest, the P-12 strut is located close to the point on the circumference where the booster case experiences maximum radial deflection due to flight loads. It seems likely that the plume from the hole in the booster would impact near the location of the P-12 strut connection and the external tank. Using geometric considerations alone suggests this strut separated from the external tank before it separated from the right-hand solid rocket booster. Figure 25 shows a sketch of an interior unrolled view of the aft part of the right-hand solid rocket booster, with the recovered burned pieces 131 and 712 noted. The critical region is between parts 131, the upper segment tang region, and part 712, the lower clevis region of the joint. This burned upper area extends roughly from station 1476 in the upper section to 1517 on the lower region. In a circumferential direction, the lower end of the eroded region extends from roughly 291 degrees to 320 degrees, and the upper eroded section extends between 296 and 318 degrees. 
note that the region at about three hundred fourteen degrees includes the attachment region of the strut to the attachment ring on the right solid rocket booster some observations were made from a detailed examination of the aft center section of the joint contact one hundred thirty one this piece shows a large hole that is approximately centered on the three hundred seven degree circumferential position although irregular the hole is roughly rectangular in shape extending approximately twenty seven inches circumferentially along the tang two hundred ninety six to three hundred eighteen degrees with the total burnout extension approximately fifteen inches forward of the tang at either side in the interior of the hole the insulation and steel case material showed evidence of hot gas erosion that beveled these surfaces indicative of combustion products flowing through the hole from the interior of the solid rocket motor the top surface of the hole was hardly beveled at all the tang o-ring sealing surface next to either side of the hole showed distinct erosion grooves starting from the o-ring locations these erosion grooves indicate the o-rings were sealing the joint away from the central area during the later stages of the trajectory no other evidence of thermal distress melting or burning was noted in the tang section of the joint the part of the aft section of the right solid rocket booster in the circumferential position of the hole was recovered this piece contact seven hundred twelve showed evidence of a burned hole edge extending from two hundred ninety one degrees to three hundred eighteen degrees approximately thirty three inches long the burned surface extended into the aft attach stub region of the case adjacent to the p twelve strut attach point the box structure of the aft attachment ring was missing from the attach stubs the piece displayed fractures which led circumferentially or aft from the hole and the burned surface booster pieces on either side have not been recovered thus in the burn area no portion of the clevis or attachment ring other than the stubs was available for examination the exterior surface of the aft case piece also contained a large heat affected area the shape and location of this area indicates a plume impingement from the escaping gases the light-colored material at the downstream edge of the area is probably asbestos from the insulator the rust-colored line, more or less parallel to the stubs, may be a stagnation line produced in the gas flow when the gases passed around the attachment ring. Secondary flow of metal from the aft attached stub ring also shows this feature. There was a small burn hole in the case wall, which appeared to have penetrated the case from the exterior toward the interior this may also have been due to a swirling flow of hot gases within the attachment ring box structure the shadow of the insulation downstream of the attach box can also be seen this evidence suggests strongly that a hot gas plume impinged against the attachment ring passed around and through it and ultimately destroyed its structural integrity probably late in the flight of the solid rocket booster the photographs l m n and o view the lower case piece in the inverted position a correct orientation of this piece is shown in a composite view of the burn area located in photo p
End of Section 6 Recording by Maria Casper